0: Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. Let's, uh, let's open up in prayer. Father, I just thank you so much for, uh, for all that you've done. Lord, I have no doubt that somebody showed up here this morning and they felt like the situation that they were in was hopeless, uh, that they felt like there were some things in their life right now uh, that are impossible to get through and to get past. But Father, we know that you are a God so much bigger than that and that uh, you are moving and you are here right now. It's your name we pray. Amen. All right. I, um, I ended up going to a funeral this past week uh, for a friend of mine named Kenny. And uh, man, the first time I met Kenny was about seven years ago. He's one of the first guys I met at my previous church. He's there every single Sunday. Y'all know those folks, the doors are open. Mike knows these folks. If the doors are open, you're coming, right? And that was Kenny. He was here at all kinds of things. He did a lot of stuff that a lot of people didn't even realize. Um, at our other church, we would have plants outside, and he would come in the, in the middle of the week and just water plants. And I, I, I don't know if we have plants here. Do we have plants here? I don't, but the, if so, somebody's keeping those guys alive, right? Uh, and Kenny was that person. I, I even think about Kenny. Kenny had had several struggles health-wise along the way. Um, he was one of the first ones to step up. If, if chairs needed to be stacked, he would get the group of folks together and he would start stacking chairs. If somebody was in the hospital because of what he had actually been through, he was one of the first ones to call. I go back and I think about Kenny and I think about this, his story wasn't always like that. Actually beforehand, I I think he had quite a few struggles I think he was a little rough around the edges I think he probably looked a lot like many of us that we love hunting and fishing and that was him and that was his life and church really was an afterthought and his relationship with Jesus probably because he was in the south probably looked like a lot of us where uh, we we're, we're believers but the truth of the matter is was his faith really something that he held on to then something began to change about 10 years ago or so his wife had passed away about eight years ago, he had found himself in a hospital in a coma, and, and this doesn't happen much. But the doctors surrounded him and they said, It's time to call in the family. Have you ever been in that moment? This, this is this kind of a rough time. The family surrounds him, and it doesn't make sense, but Kenny pulls through. He pulls through. And he goes on to live what I view as Kenny, right? I was, I was at the funeral, and as I was at the funeral, about half of the people were family, but the other half were the seven or eight years that Kenny had poured into his church family. It was standing room only and story after story about how Kenny had impacted their life because of Christ. Look, Kenny loved so well that this one lady who had just been going to church for about a year and a half or so donated her kidney for Kenny. Is that not wild? Even even crazier, the story that I'm about to tell you is so much different than that. Something happened in Kenny's life, and the same thing happened in this story. Some of you guys are just kind of setting the tone. We're going over the story of Lazarus, and today our sermon in a sentence is this, that God that God makes the impossible possible. That God makes the impossible possible. The truth is, I could probably stand up here and say, do you believe that? Amen. And most of us would say amen, right? Yeah, there you go. Thank you for the person in the back. But but the truth is, do we really believe it? Do we really believe it? As you go through this story, I want you to imagine this. Mary and Martha, they were struggling at this moment. And they had probably been seeing their brother. He's breathing those deep breaths The ones where you know it's coming to an end. The ones where you know that unless a miracle happens, this isn't going to end well. So what do they do? They know the one that they can turn to. They know the one that can heal them. So they begin to write this letter. And it starts like this. If you guys can read with me. We're going through John 11, 1 through 8. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. By the way, we've talked a lot about Mary lately, haven't we? We just heard that story not too long ago. Adam shared about Martha and Mary last week. It's crazy how the Lord's kind of making this, uh, this kind of open up. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Man, John loves to use the word love often. When he heard this, Jesus said This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory. Pay attention to that. No, it is for God's glory. Everybody say God's glory. glory. Okay, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was for two more days. And then the disciples, then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Listen to this next part because the truth is when you start living for the Lord, you will always have critics in life. The last one says this, but Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you and yet you're going back. I don't even know if that's criticism as much, of, uh, uh, as, much as confusion you know, why, why, would, why would you go back to the place where you could possibly be killed? You know what they tried to do to you there. It's funny. Anybody ever wear anybody? I see some people with glasses. I wear contacts. I have this weird phobia. I can't really touch my eyes. I just went to the eye doctor. It was crazy. He made fun of me. That's okay, right? Like, uh, but the truth of the matter is. When like before glasses, everything was blurry and then you put on the glasses and it's I mean, it's a game changer. Like I can remember the very first time that I experienced like the world with glasses, like with real vision. Uh, It was like, ah, right. Everything opened up. I was like, this is great. I go back and I think about this story. There's a bigger picture at play. There's a bigger picture at play than what the disciples were seeing. There's a bigger picture at play than what Mary and Martha were seeing. Some of you guys were wondering why I brought up this coat. And the truth is, Mary and Martha, think about this. What were they doing? You go out and you read through this scripture. They were preparing for something great. They were preparing for a funeral. They were preparing for death, right? Right? And I go on and I think about this story. And as you begin to read deeper into this story, Jesus had a greater story. Later on, we're going to get to it. But it says that Jesus waited two days. There's no telling how long this letter took to get to Jesus. And then he waited two days. The truth of the matter is that Mary and Martha, man, they had prepped. The grave clothes were on. They were going to a funeral. You guys just forgive me. This isn't going to be perfect, right? They were going to a funeral. And I have a feeling that many of us, even though we say that we believe in a God that is a miracle worker and does great things, even greater than what we can get to by ourselves, I have a feeling that many of us are living lives where we are putting on grave clothes and we preach That the gospel and that Jesus saves and he is a miracle worker. But we are living lives that don't reflect that. I go out and and as I begin to still look at this, this portion here. You begin to walk through this journey. I want to remind each of you today. That you may be saying to yourself that what you're facing is impossible. While God is saying I make the impossible possible. Take your focus off of what the world says. Maybe take away this idea. Have you ever met people that just say, I feel? Listen, man, we are a world that lives in their feelings. We need to stop living in our feelings and put our focus on what Jesus says and the truth that he brings into our lives. We need to look at the bigger picture. And in looking at the bigger bigger picture, you'll see this. You'll begin to look at things differently. That once, once something was impossible, it becomes possible now. I go out and I I think about growing up, and on a sick day, if you ever had a sick day, my grandma would be called in, right? Now, I knew what would happen when grandma would be called in. We would usually watch Price is Right, right? Uh, I would eat some soup along the way, and chances are she is going to watch several hours of soap operas, right? (laughs) I love this. This makes me laugh. You guys, you're like my family, right? We we live through this together. But then somewhere in between all of this, there was a guy that would come on public television with this massive afro, right? His name was Bob Ross. And somehow, I would get stuck watching Bob Ross on television. And the truth is, if you've watched Bob Ross, one of the things that he would do is this. He would begin to create this canvas. And you would see these lines that kind of look like they're going to form as mountains. But one of the things that always interests me when I watch Bob Ross was this. He was a painter, by the way. He would just grab this blob of like green paint and like splatter it on this canvas. And and really, the truth of the matter is, as you're looking at this blob of of green paint, you're thinking not much is going to come from this. But the truth of the matter is, he would go out and he would begin to paint this brilliant tree. And he did it so smoothly. He was an artist. Listen, what you're going through right now, it may feel like it's just in this blob of green paint. And you feel like that's, you're thinking that this is the masterpiece, that this is your life. And this is where it's going to stop. You maybe have lost something very, very close to you recently. Maybe you've lost someone. Maybe you have lost a job. Maybe you are struggling with addiction right now and you have tried to walk yourself out of this time and time and time again and all you feel like is this blob of paint. I'm gonna tell you to hang on. That God's not done with you right now. Go back to when you were this big and you gave your life to Christ and your heart was so filled with joy. Remember that there is a mile marker right there. Y'all you know what mile markers are? Hey, all right, listen, youngins. Let me tell you what mile markers are, right? Like back in the day, like this was before cell phones. This was before even MapQuest. What would happen is this. In order to know where you're heading, right, you would get on the interstate and it would start at like one and it would go all the way to the end. And, and, and at the end, like on the way, it would say like one, 20. 25, right? And as you got to each marker, it would tell you how deep and how far you are into the state or onto this expressway. I want you guys to remember this. Whatever you're facing right now, I want you to remember this, that God hasn't given up on you and he has brought you on this journey. And I want you to think about the mile markers that you're walking through right now. Where did God show up for you? Some of us. Some of us, maybe you're sitting back and you're thinking things are impossible because it's been a long time since you've seen God show up for you. Maybe I should, I should say it a little differently. Maybe you're not seeing things in the big picture right now because you're only focused on what's in front of you. Go back. Remember the mile markers. Think about the story of the sisters here. They wrote to Jesus because they knew that he could heal Lazarus. A mile marker. You know why they had mile markers? Because he healed blind men. Because he healed people that had leprosy. Because he had ended up feeding 5,000 men with just a few fish and a few loaves of bread. They saw this. They heard this. They showed up to his house. Mary literally was going and fell at his feet and wiped his feet with her tears. They knew. They knew he would show up. They knew that if he showed up, he could change all of this. They at least knew where to turn to. Some of us, man, when, we, when we're broken, we have a tendency to do some things like this. We have a tendency that when we're broken to run towards broken things. You hear me? Listen, I, I see this all the time. You go out and you think to yourself that this is what's good for you. And so you run towards brokenness. Let me just say this brokenness cannot bring what is broken back together only Jesus can do that Jesus reminds us that he's overcome the world in John 16 it says this I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world you will have trouble but take heart I have overcome this world. This world does not tell you who you are. Only Jesus can do that. Only the creator can do that. We all have these moments where we find ourselves saying, God, if you will just come down here and fix this issue and solve this issue for me, I would love that. We all have this timetable that we want him to do that in as well. You ever sit back, say that prayer, and you're like, it's been a day You're sitting back, you're looking at your time, tapping the foot right here, right? The truth is, man, God doesn't work on my timetable and he doesn't work on yours. And there's a greater story that's at play and people are watching your story and they're seeing how we're going to respond to this. And they're even seeing what Jesus is going to do. And the truth is he is not going to fail you. Sit back and think about what Jesus' words were in this previous passage. He says, He will not stay dead. It is God's glory that this has happened. God will be raised through this. God's glory. Think about this. The story of your life is this whatever you're facing, if it has been lost or if it is addiction and you feel like you're having a hard time getting over this, it's God's glory. When no one else understands what you're facing, it is God's glory. When it means that I'm lonely, God's glory will be seen through this, because if you do that, everything begins to look different. People hang on because your life is no longer yours. The moment that you ask Jesus into your life, He will take you places that you would never attempt to go to by yourselves, and sometimes that even means through pain and struggle. John eleven, eleven through sixteen says this. Jesus answered. Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who works in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus had fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. You know, I love this. Like, Jesus recruited these guys. Do you understand? Like, he's trying to tell them they de- that he's dead. He's not here. He's, he's asleep. He's trying to say it in that way. And they're like, hold up. He'll wake up from this nap. There's no reason for you to go back to that place. And then Jesus goes back and he says this. Let, let me even go a little further into this. Some of you, you feel like you're incapable of doing great things. Jesus hired and recruited people like this and they became some of the greatest pastors in the world. They changed the world. Thousands of people came to know who Jesus are because of these guys. So it goes on and says this, Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought that he meant a natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there. So that you may believe, but let us go to him. And then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. This is the doubter, by the way. He's also known as the doubter of the bunch. He's the same one that later on in the gospel after Jesus had died and he had seen this awful death of Jesus. He's the one that says, I will no longer believe in him until I can see the holes in his hands. And he's the one that's speaking up here. Let's go, even if it means death. And I go back and I think about this. He got the greater picture here. And at one point in time, maybe you were like that. You got the greater picture, but maybe you've fallen asleep a little bit. Maybe there's some areas in your life where you're not seeing the miracles of God do great things. But I want you to understand this, that he is on the move. And he is not giving up for you. He is on the move and he is chasing after you and he is working things out in the background. What you thought was gonna drown you is the very thing that people are gonna look at and say, look at what Jesus did. He is on the move. Y'all been paying attention about what's happening in Hollywood right now? The number one track, the number one album on iTunes right now, do you know who it is? It's Kanye West. Kanye West. Right? And now, that doesn't sound too crazy until you know what Kanye West is, like, rapping about right now. Do you know the name of the album, Jesus is King? Do you think Jesus is dead? Oh, no, Jesus isn't dead. He's showing up number one on the Billboard charts right now as Jesus is King. The first time I was introduced to Kanye West, that's right, we can clap about that. The first time I was introduced to Kanye West was the song that says, she gives me money. Y'all know that song? (laughs) Uh, Okay, there we go. There we go. I'm not saying she's a gold digger. All right. There we go. All right, listen. First time I was introduced to Kanye was through that song. The second time I was introduced to Kanye was when he stepped up to the MTV uh, Video Awards and he straight up said... Whoa, 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 right in the middle of Taylor Swift's speech. Now, I'm a little bit of a Swifty, so I had an issue with this. He stepped in, he said, hey, whoa, 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 we all know that this girl don't deserve this. This is Beyonce's award, right? So all of a sudden, I kind of had a little bit of a distaste for Kanye. The second time I heard him come, I looked at him and I thought to myself, this poor guy. He came up and he gave this speech again. I don't know if this was something that MTV had just introduced or not, just to have Kanye get up and say something every time. And he got up and I heard a speech from him that basically said he thought that he was God. Right? You want to think about impossible? As a youth pastor, I got in front of my kids and I was like, stop listening to him, right? Like, I have, but, but I think to myself even deeper now, man, God didn't give up on on him. And he sure ain't giving up on you. I heard him go on Jimmy Kimmel the other night. You know what I heard him say? That Jesus is king. That Jesus is moving in my family and he's moving in this world. And the truth of the matter is, he, he went out, Jimmy Kimmel asked him, he said, hey, are you considered a Christian artist? You know what he said? It blew my mind. I'm considered... I. I'm a Christian everything. If we could start living that kind of faith to sit back. And at one time, I looked at Kanye and I thought, there ain't no way this guy's ever. There's no hope for this guy. The crazy thing is he was smiling the whole time in this interview. Do you know what Jesus gives you? He gives you joy and purpose. And he wants to move you outside of what you can see right now. You are stuck in the very thing that Jesus is trying to remove from your life. The story doesn't end here. Can I tell you this? He moves into Bethany. And as he goes into Bethany, let me tell you a little bit more. He goes into Bethany and he sees Martha. Martha meets him. And as she meets him, she goes out and she says this. If you had been here, my brother would still be alive. Whew. Y'all ever play those games with Jesus, Right? Y'all go through a hard time? Tell me, right? Like the truth is, I have, I know less pastor of me, but the truth of the matter is, I've sat down and I was like, God, if you're real, why did you let this happen to me? But you know what? God... Makes the impossible possible because the story sure wasn't finished. He had this wonderful, uh, wonderful conversation with Martha, and then probably one of the more famous lines in all the scripture begins to come out, and it says this in John eleven twenty five through twenty six. It says this. It says that Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And the one who believes in me will live. Say that with me. Will live. Even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Right? And of course, Martha said yes. And, and then she goes out and she grabs her sister. And guess what her sister says to Jesus? The very same thing. It says that Mary came and fell at his feet and began to cry and weep. And she said the same thing. If you had just been here, my brother would still be alive. Do you realize that there was so much more in this story? Because with her brother being dead, if she wasn't married, if her dad had passed, there was no purpose for Mary and Martha at this point in time. There was no income. They had lost much more than just a brother. They had lost a whole lot. And it says, verse 35, shortest verse in all the Scripture, Jesus was so moved that he wept. He knew where Lazarus was going. And he wept. Jesus loves you. He weeps for you when you hurt. When you struggle, he hurts along with you. And he hasn't left you because there's a greater story at play. In the middle of this, this is wonderful. I love this because the story continues to move on. And in this story, it says he goes out and he says, show me where you laid him. Right? Jesus is on the move. let's, Let's keep going here. Verse 38 in John 11, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord said, Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there was a bad odor And he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of Of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. I want you guys to understand it's not just Mary and Martha. It said that there were others that came to mourn along with her from Jerusalem. They had probably helped prepare. At this point in time, after somebody would pass, they would stick around and mourn with people for 30 days. Isn't that kind of cool? Sits back, verse 43, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! Let's get to the good stuff right here. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and the cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Right? Let's go. Listen, the truth of the matter is this. Let's go back on that story just a little bit. Do you realize That in order for this dead man to become healed, he had to take the sisters back to the place where there was hurt, where there were issues. Some of you came into this place today. Let me just say this. This is the last place you wanted to be. I mean, maybe your your spouse drug you here. You're fighting like crazy to not show up here today. Because you know you have a thing in the past. Maybe the very thing that God wants you to overcome and to get you past the impossible is to take you back to the first place this started. Maybe you didn't grow up in a house where you were told that you were loved. Maybe it was a really awful upbringing. And Jesus wants to remind you, listen, I love you, child. To go out and remind you That it is time to wake up. You have been asleep for too long. I love the last part here as well. It says this. He looked at them. That's what it says. He said to them. I don't know who them is. Maybe it's the crowd. He says, take off his grave clothes. Take off the grave clothes. Some of you, listen, church, hear me. We get so caught up and living our lives and hanging out with people that look and talk and act just like me, that we forget to go to people that don't look and act and talk like me and don't believe in the same things that I believe in when it comes to politics our sports our socioeconomics. And so we get stuck in only taking care of ourselves instead of our brothers and sisters that are hurting in pain. Look, we will let them suffer and let them struggle and instead of helping them take off their grave clothes, We'll look at them and we'll just stay there. Wake up, church. Wake up. The truth is Jesus woke you up long ago. We need to stop living lives like we're still asleep. We don't have time to do anything differently. Amen? Amen. Let me just finish with this last part. If there is somebody here today, we're going we're to go out. We're about to pray. If there's somebody here today that you're ready to take off your grave clothes, that you're ready to move past this place in your life, I want to encourage you this, to do this, to make a confession. I need this. I struggle with addiction. Because one of the ways that you get out of the past and get out of darkness is to bring what is in darkness into light. Another thing. Maybe some of you, you're sent back and you hear this, man, Jesus wants to save you and you want to know a little bit more about this. What does saving me look like? Man, it's sweet, sweet surrender that Jesus can do anything in your life. I have one more verse right here. It's Hebrews twelve. It says, "Therefore, since we are surrendered by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. This life will not be easy, but we know that Jesus overcome or has overcome this world." Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus loves you so much that he went to the cross for you, and he says your story is not done. He sat down at the right hand in the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. God makes The impossible possible. And if you believe that or if you need prayer today, I'm going to pray. And we will have people up here that will pray and help you surrender your life to the Lord. We have people here that you can make a sweet confession to and say, I am running out of darkness into light. We have people here that will love on you and be the church. Let's be the church. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Lord, there are some people here today that, man, it is so hard to go back to the place that makes us... Scared and worried and when we bring up the issue it hurts to go back there but that's truly the only place where we can find freedom you have to take us back to that place so that you can help us get over that God I pray that people here with addictions and struggles and hurts and hang ups and things that have held them back and they've wrapped themselves with these grave clothes Lord I pray that they surrender their lives to you we love you it's your name we pray